live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Our Thursday home, you heard it, Silver 7's, let's do it. We got hockey tonight, 77 cent beers for Golden Knights games, and it just happens to hit for game three of the playoffs, so we'll get you ready throughout the show for the game tonight at 6.30. We'll get you the William Hill numbers in just a little bit. John, how you feeling? John Montobles here. How you feeling about the uh, the series now as we're back to the original price around minus 200, minus 195. Um, actually, no, that's not the original price. Let me get that correct. Uh, because the Golden Knights are actually minus 240 in the series. Coming into it, now it's 1-1. They're headed to Minnesota where they've it's been a hellhole for them. And uh, now you can get VGK on the series at minus 200. Oh, I feel good. I got I, After game one, I bet him at minus 105 to win the series. So I am hoping that they can pull this out, get this going against Minnesota. But I think you have to feel relatively good, right? The the offensive showing in game one that just didn't, you know, result in anything. But the numbers were there that showed how well they had performed. And you kind of felt like, oh, just stay the course. If we can continue to put up those kind of numbers from an analytical standpoint, eventually the goals will start to find their way in the back of the net. And sure enough, what happens in game two they do, and they find three. So I think that's really something that you got to feel pretty good about going forward after what happened in game one, and then, of course, the result in game two. I think you have a very positive feeling. Since you could have gotten it before game two at 105, is it too late to bet it? Because here at William Hill, it's actually uh, nights for the series at 170. Ooh, at minus 170, really? Yeah. Okay, I would say that's pretty nice. I mean, look, excuse me, this is now a best of five, right? And if you look at Vegas from – and I'm not the best hockey guy, so take this all with a grain of salt – but if you look at them from what they've done analytically the first two games, where they were at on the season in terms of their five-on-five five numbers, this is a really good team. And so to ask one of the best teams statistically to all you need to do is take three out of the next five against an opponent, at minus 170, that seems like a very good price considering how this team is power rated too over the, big, you know, over the long haul by oddsmakers. We're going to check in with uh, Chris Matthews, 8 News Now. Next hour, he's on the ground in Minneapolis. Uh, we got a lot of basketball to get to. Last night was massive for the Lakers, massive for the Warriors as well. Warriors are not done. We'll get to that game here in just a couple seconds. Uh, Ari, his number one basketball concern concerns Kwame Brown because apparently Kwame just continues to go crazy off, just railing people on Instagram, the former number one pick from 2001. Did he go after a radio guy now? Oh, yeah, so you didn't see So Charlemagne the God, um, Breakfast Club guy, I, I don't know where his show's affiliate is. New York. But yeah, New York. Well, I know where he's from, but like all the stations, whatever. Oh, okay. It is. You, we have um, to name his affiliates, yeah. too. <laughs> they're on a thought, they're on a lot, though. Okay. But yeah, Charlemagne, the guy at the Breakfast Club. So it's kind of weird because Charlemagne at first like set it up like he was defending Kwame Brown. Like it was almost like the who was the Britney Spears guy, the leave Britney alone guy. Sure. You know, it's set up like that initially. All right, who was the who was who was that guy? You got it? Any clue? Britney Spears guy? I remember, I don't know. Who it's just some viral guy. Then you just go. Come on. All right. It was Chris Crocker. There we go. Chris Crocker. Thank you very much. How long ago was that? Dude, Why that do was, I remember that? That was like the beginning of the internet. You uh, know we, what I mean? We, like, that we was love one of that. The, that was probably one of the first viral Leave videos. Leave Britney alone. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. But, like, <laughs> and I know Ari, like, listened to this, so maybe he's, maybe if I'm incorrect uh-huh. in setting this up, but, like, I thought Charlemagne initially set this up as a defensive Kwame Brown. Like, like don't go after Kwame. Leave him alone. But the problem was is that he started to dive into, like, you know, the urban legend of, was it Kwame's father and a murder and a murder-suicide that potentially happened, and that really rubbed Kwame Brown the wrong way. Uh-oh. To the point where then he gets in his car, which has been the setting for, like, <laughs> all of his IG Live videos, and, like, just straight up, straight up calls Charlemagne the God a rapist. He actually says the alleged rapist, and then he goes, oh, no, wait, I don't have to use that. You are one, and just 
completely flamethrowers the guy. So it was crazy. But Kwame Brown did not like the invoking of an urban legend around his family. And I, I can kind of understand that. Matt Barnes has finally responded, so we'll get to that a little later in the show. So uh, Matt Barnes is trying to set up a boxing match against Kwame Brown. I think Kwame Brown wants a, wants a lot more than a boxing match. Yeah. Uh, so playing basketball yesterday, we'll get to uh, Lakers and Warriors, but a pretty good day of hoops. You know, the day before wasn't great. Yesterday was pretty good. I loved it. I, I thought, like, at least yesterday in terms of what we were expecting, right? Because there's very rare time where there's a matchup that's very anticipated, right? Like, all of us were really excited for the Super Bowl, I thought, right? Chiefs and Bucks, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, offense versus defense, and it was a dud. So generally when there's so much hype behind it, a matchup, you can kind of fall flat. But I, yesterday didn't. Like, especially in the second half, what the Lakers did, coming back, winning that game, everything that LeBron did in the second half, posting a 20-point triple-double, I was really excited by all of it. Like, even whenever, I don't know, there's a lot of people who get very sensitive to what they bet. Even no matter what side you had, I think you were pretty excited about that game because of the way it was going down. It was a very good basketball game. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I thought last night, or I thought yesterday in general, that's, that's the feel we want is there's, there's an intensity. There was something with the Celtics and the Wizards that was just weird. Obviously, the game before that sucked. That was right. That was ridiculous. It totally it, took the energy out yeah. of like watching the game. The Hornets freaking show up and well, no showed uh, the situation. So, man, the Lakers start to the game dreadful. Did you try to fire on the Lakers when they were down ten, thirteen? Yeah, I got them at uh, minus one and a half. Okay, yeah, so, so that, that worked out. Yeah, I did, and I didn't think it was going to. Right? You know, what was, down you know, it was great though. If you bet them, then the end of the third to the fourth, it was like you're in jeopardy, and then all of a sudden, like that, it it wasn't over. But then the Lakers were able to go on the run, take the lead, and I – do you think it was weird? I, I know I know, coaches, the, the, you rest when you rest. But when it's a play-in situation, and it's not do or die for the Warriors, they have another game if they lose. But as the run is going on, they're like, well, Steph Curry's on the bench, Steph Curry's on the bench, Steph Curry's on the bench. And then they finish the run, and Steph Curry's like <laughs> clapping, like, okay, all right, respect, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, get him in the game. Right. Call a timeout, get him in. Because at that point, the Lakers were doing whatever they wanted inside. With Like, everyone seemed big. They were getting everything they wanted close to the basket, and Steph's on the bench, and they're just they're reeling offensively because they just don't have that many weapons unless he's the double-team distraction. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, look, I think both teams did it, right, because there was a point where after Curry comes back in, after clapping for LeBron, LeBron goes out. And remember, it was reported that LeBron had a minutes restriction in this game. So there was even talk of, like, okay, is he done? Like, what's going to happen? Like, the last six minutes of this game, is he just not going to play anymore? And then the Warriors start going on a run. They take the lead a couple of times. You're thinking, okay, what's going to happen? And sure enough, LeBron comes out. But I would agree, like, I think a lot of the times coaches are, like, dead set on got to get my guy some rest. When at the end of the day, it's like it's not win or go home, but it's win and get the more winnable game or series, right, against Phoenix as opposed to the Utah Jazz. And I think that's really important. John, two or three more possessions for Steph Curry. Of course. In a three-point game? Yeah. Where both teams kind of sputtered down the stretch offensively, especially the Warriors fell apart. Yep. They scored two points in the last three minutes of the game. Yeah. Well, and one of the final possessions where they're letting all the time run off the clock and eventually call timeout with like two and a third left. Oh, like, well, that, you know, I will say that was great defense by the Lakers because they, so, they were trying so hard to get Steph the ball in a good position. Yep. And they doubled him way out near midcourt, and he had to finally give it up. It goes, you know, two passes to the right, and then they're like, uh, we're screwed. Timeout with two seconds. But they literally did waste eight seconds. Right. Like, don't you – I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I think – I feel like – after two seconds of that happening, you're like, all right, this isn't working. Let's call a timeout. Like, we need as much time to develop something. Like you mentioned, the fact that they had scored nothing. And very, like, I put up these numbers. 
like the Warriors offensively were doing nothing in the second half overall. The Lakers did such a good job defensively in the second half against them, where if you're Steve Kerr, like I want as much time as possible to get Curry free. They're blitzing him on screens. They're not giving him any time. They're double-teaming him. I don't need two and a third. I want more. Man, LeBron James is the ultimate villain. Dude, it's I thought he lost it for a little while, but and he gets he gets poked in the face. He's blinking. His eyes blowing up. He hits a three, and just the nastiness on on the internet and social media against LeBron James. It's, I get I don't know why I'm surprised by it anymore, but it just it, every time it happens, I'm like wow, that's a lot. Have you ever had a moment where the reaction is so strong on one side, you question your own knowledge like that? So I'm, I'm watching that foul and. Like Draymond comes, like goes right at him. His hands at a diagonal angle, smacks him right in the face, and I'm like, oh, that was a really kind of a hard foul, like right. right in his face. And then I hear Jeff Van Gundy, his hands were straight up. And then like Steve, so, Steve Jabby came on the, right? the, the the ref, the officiating expert. He's like straight up. I'm watching it. I'm like, it was on an angle. And then like all of Twitter is like, common foul, hands straight up. And I'm like, I, I gotta be missing something. <laughs> Like, I, I threw I, off my headphones. I was jabbing myself in the eye. I was amazed by just the vehement reaction of just immediately anti-LeBron. Get up. You're a wuss. It was soft. Like, I was like, what am I missing? And, like, <laughs> I like I actually feel, like, ashamed of myself that I didn't, like, get on, like, a little bit more of, like, you guys are all fools because I started People to question guy. myself. People freaking hate that guy. It was nuts, it's man. It's amazing. A lot more on the Lakers and the Warriors is uh, now the Warriors are – in a uh, one-and-done situation, the Lakers have advanced into the field. We'll talk a little hoops. Lots more to get to with the Gabriel Pope, our uh, legal analyst and uh, general sports fan out of Chicago and a guy we lean on all the time for uh, uh, some good takes on the cultural side of the sports world. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Thursday, ESPN Las Vegas. We always check in with Xavier Pope out of Chicago, uh, attorney and also uh, expert on everything. Expert on everything. Let's get into a little sports to start. Uh, what'd you make of the Lakers and the Warriors last night? Epic game, and LeBron did it. LeBron James, um, three baskets, hits one of them um, for three points, um, showing uh, he's one of the greatest players of all time, AZ. Uh, and the Lakers willing themselves. Um, past a really slow start in the first half. Um, they made the, the smart decision to take Andre Drummond out of the game, which really completely turned the game, allowed AD to get loose, get on some pick and, pick and rolls, get to the hoop. LeBron got aggressive, driving to the bucket. I, NBA won. They wanted to play in game. They got Steph versus LeBron. They got Steph going off for 37 points. Um, they got it coming down to the end and, and the wire. The West did such a what's a better job at games than the East did. Um, th- this is a – I'm interested to see what the ratings were for this game, right, Steve? To see what they were in relation to big-time um, national games that were broadcast. John, the ratings for the the first night were pretty good, right? So I would imagine last night were monsters. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the first night was boring as hell, right? You had the Hornets and the Indiana Pacers. Uh, they That was an absolute blowout. And then you had what happened between Washington uh, and Boston. So I would assume – that this was very successful, and especially with not even what happened with that second game. The first game was pretty good, right? Memphis opens up a 20-point lead. They get cut down, and it's a back-and-forth game the rest of the way. So I would assume that the NBA was very happy with what happened the second night of the play-in. And, of course, I think they should be happy with the ratings because you have now the two true stars that would attract a lot of eyeballs in that late slot. 
Yeah, you also have now, you know, even after the Steph and LeBron is done, now you're going to have one of the league's young stars in Ja Morant face yep. off against uh, Steph Curry. And you have Russell Westbrook um, and, 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 and Bradley Beal, uh, who was in a dueling for scoring champ during the season with Steph Curry now going in a game. So the NBA won. Um, they they gambled on a play-in tournament with lower seeds and they got a season that was kind of topsy-turvy in terms of the standings and wound up with marquee games um, and marquee teams. And the NBA is, is, is going to bank on this. I don't see this going away. I know the LeBron James complained about um, about this. He was asked about it in a presser after the game. He kind of demurred a little bit and said he, he, he said he would show up and be ready for the game, which he was. Um, so he understands that this is probably part of the league's business model moving forward. John and I were just talking about it. The reaction at the end of the game when LeBron got hurt, you know, got jabbed in the eye, and the, God, the hatred on the internet, on social media for LeBron James, calling him names. What do you think the root of that is? Why do so many people dislike LeBron James and think he's a pansy? Uh, well, first, I think that LeBron James is one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the greatest basketball players. And so I think top players do get polarizing opinions about them play particularly if you see intergenerationally how he plays in terms of flopping there was discussion i was on a uh, on a twitter spaces last night on espn's the undefeated and they were hosting a space where we were talking about how lebron using charges to be part of his defensive strategy versus someone like a jordan and my comment was you know that's not that's not what Jordan did. It was something that Scotty and uh, Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman did as part of that team. And so Michael Jordan being called a cross between Michael Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan being a player who's been able to be on the stay up active on the defensive end, be a, 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 active on the offensive end. I think that's just been part of his game. And there are plenty of guys in the league that sell fouls. LeBron James happens to be a really good actor. He's in Space Jam, too. <laughs> But, you know, Xavier, you know what's always kind of bugging me? Like, you know, you watch him after the game, his left eye is half closed. Like, it was, he legitimately got poked in the eye. And the, the second that Draymond makes contact with him, everyone's like, Pansy, get up. You're a wuss. And it's like, he literally got poked in the eye. Maybe he was embellishing a little bit, but it always kind of bugs me a little bit when we tell these athletes you're fake and get up. Like, it seemed relatively real. Like, he can't fake his eyelids swelling up at the end of the game. Yeah, first and foremost, people should be calling um, LeBron James that term anyway um, because those are derogatory terms referring to um, those in the LGBTQ plus community. That's number mm-hmm. one. And number two, I think that out of all the players to have done that, Draymond Green, the way he plays and the way the criticism of him and how he plays – it's real. It's totally believable that he would have actually poked LeBron James in the eye, uh, and so you can't. Those same people who don't like LeBron James don't really like Draymond either. So it's take your pick. <laughs> you know, you want to you want a, a guy who is playing a certain way, and you know, we, we saw some criticism of him on Twitter um, by Damian Lillard <laughs> and using some um, not so choice words about him and his play. But at the same time, you're criticizing LeBron James. So which is it? A lot of NBA fans are, the, are some of the whiniest bunch that you'll ever see. You know, they're basically, they want to be Skip Bayless when they want to hate LeBron James no matter what he does. Xavier Pope is up on Cofield & Company here on a Thursday as we're live at Silver 7s. Uh, NBA-related, former NBA players going at it through social media. 
I want your general take on Kwame Brown pulling out the flamethrower and going after Stephen A. Smith, but especially Matt Barnes. And then Barnes finally responded, is this a real fight? Is is this kind of a work? What's going on here? I mean, there were some other stuff about grandpas involved and you got issues, you know, with light skin and dark skin. There was a lot here. Kwame Brown is now fulfilled his potential of being a star in the NBA. Um, did, didn't know it would take a whole generation later for it to happen, but it has. Kwame Brown... Uh, give me more con- Kwame Brown content. A lot of people have have paid attention to what he has to say. He's been trending every day and has been giving everyone with smoke who wants any bit of it. I mean, every and some of it has been warranted. And some of it has been not. I mean, and some of it has been Kwame Brown being sensitive to anything that is said about him. And some of those things have some sort of merit. But this was a guy who was a number one pick in the NBA draft, took a lot of heat for be- being a bust. He has a YouTube channel called The Bust Life. So he's tapped into that and he is basically become an anti-hero for anyone who was ever dogged, who was ever slighted, who is now turning around like a Western and almost and just going after everyone like Denzel Washington in the Equalizer. And so he's become a fan favorite, which is really a really strange turn, like a WWE villain that you root for, right? I mean, Jamarcus Russell is totally jealous right now. <laughs> and what's his own version? Hey, hey, Xavier, I don't know how much you caught of. Did you see um, Charlemagne the God coming out and kind of in a weird way speaking up for Kwame Brown? Yeah. Uh, but then kind of spoke to that weird, I guess, call it urban legend about his father and a murder. And I'm just curious. It's a two part thing. What you made of Charlemagne's little speech. But the other part of Kwame in his car, you know, referring to him as a rapist multiple times. Like, is there some danger there for Kwame and what he's doing going after Charlemagne like that? Really great question, John. Uh, Number one, I think Charlemagne was attempting to put and frame where Kwame Brown came from because now there's this new fascination with the type of guy. Would Kwame Brown be able to carry out the smoke physically based on some of the words he stated? But Kwame Brown has openly said, I'm not trying to be violent. I'm just using words that maybe seemingly sound aggressive because I'm from the South and I'm cursing and I'm saying these different things. And so his processing was you're accusing me of being something that I'm not. And you're also revealing to the public really sensitive issues about my family. So I have a problem with you. So since you're going to be personal with me, I'm going to be personal with you. And Kwame Brown has he's openly said, I am not here to be liked. And so I don't think that we can really control what Kwame Brown does. Every single time we talk about him, we continue to give life to this story that seems to spiral. I think this is going to continue because I think that someone's really famous is going to jump in and say something and that'll get Kwame Brown to say something else. And he is just going to become this period of time where he uses people's fascination with him to be able to create a completely different platform, whether it manifests into something long-term for him, it really depends on him. But it looks like he is aiming for this lane that we've never seen before, this anti-hero. I, like I said, it's, it's so many things to c- cut up because have do you like everything that Kwame Brown has had to say in terms of some of these issues? Some of these things he said have been a little bit problematic, but I don't think he really cares. Xavier Pope is up on Cofield & Company. I'm not here to be liked. Tony LaRussa. What's your reaction to the way LaRusa handled the situation with the unwritten rules and then continuing to pound at the guy? Um, I think that Tony LaRusa um, has an issue 
with being out of touch with the game. And some of these baseball purists get on some of my last nerve about who can get into the Hall of Fame, the ways you play the game, how you flip your bat. I mean, this listen, your time has come and gone. It is time for the way that new guys are playing the game, that are getting tons of attention to the game, the Fernando Tatises of the world. And they are making the game exciting and connecting to young fans. You want your sport to continue, right? These old guys are going to be gone one day, and you're going to need young people that are going to be engaged with the game of baseball. And so Tony Russo is completely out of touch. The team is good. He's lucky. If the team wasn't good, he'd be taking a lot more heat than he's taking right now. You, well, right. you know, the funny thing, it's not just an age thing. And we went on and on about it yesterday. And I finally, in our fourth hour, I was like, all right, let's stop mentioning age because now we're kind of sounding ages. Because the other guy who was involved in this is the Twins manager, Rocco Baldelli. He's 39 years old. So it's a, it's a mentality. We got a, a generation split here. We got kind of a culture split here. We're also seeing that in football with – Tim Tebow. Now, so today, Tim Tebow's he's at the uh, he's at camp. He's got a number. He's gonna be number eighty five. The jerseys are already out there. You believe this is about two weeks now, of like an intense culture debate? Yeah, I think it is a cultural debate, but I think it's for reasons. Unfortunately, Tim Tebow is caught up in. Uh, I don't wish. I don't think anyone wishes Tebow to have a terrible career. That he's not going to be successful. Hope wish the guy best. It's the double standard where Tim Tebow is out of the league for 10 years, gets a chance, even though his former coach, Urban Meyer, and there is this sort of support of what Tebow represents, his purity, and this, and he's, people have latched onto him, and he, he kneels on the field, and it's, hey, but then Colin Kaepernick, a guy who's kneeling on the field, who is out of the league for half the time that Tim Tebow is out, still hasn't got a chance. This is going to be his fifth season outside of the National Football League and I think that's what it is. It's that and many African-Americans are upset because, you know, there, there's a feeling that every single cultural fight choosing a white quarterback who does not have who, the same last season that Tim Tebow played. Colin Kaepernick was in the Super Bowl starting, you know, so not giving that same opportunity is starts to spill over in some of these other issues. But you saw Republicans right there in congressional hearings talking about cancel culture and Dr. Seuss and. And they're talking about Mr. Potato Head, but they're using that as the framework to actually get behind real legislation that harms marginalized groups. I talked about this on the latest episode of Suit Up. It's really important that we're, it, it's not just pe- you're being paranoid of what's happened to Tim Tebow or Colin Kaepernick when that is actually being proffered in, in any other areas by the right in real congressional hearings. Yeah, and what kind of gets me, Xavier, is just like like when you see last week, uh, ex-Jaguars wide receiver Jimmy Smith come out, and, and he says something along the lines of, ah, you know what, Colin Kaepernick, he's divisive. We need a guy like Tim Tebow, who's a hometown hero, who has love for the city anyway. Like, that that to me is kind of, it's gross on a couple of levels, and it just assumes this, like you said, purity about Tim Tebow. It's a little weird the way we look at him. And all also, just for like a purely job perspective, like the guy's been out of the league. He's not played tight end like in his you know career since college. There's probably another tight end out there who's looking for a practice squad spot, and he's taking it. I mean, it's definitely a guy that's under 33 years old. I mean, <laughs> you're not seeing too many guys that are doing that in the National Football League. And then for Jimmy Smith, there's always going to be somebody from a marginalized group that goes against the grain for that marginalized group. Everybody doesn't have to line up, line up with the, the same opinion, um, at, whether that's um, for – Jimmy Smith's own personal um, career being in Northern Florida and the politics of that particular portion of the state and making sure that he continues to keep a bag in his pocket. Um, and I think that that's something to, that remains to be seen. But I think that for him to put that in framing in terms of attacking what Colin Kaepernick is and saying he's divisive, 
I, I think that's idiocy. And uh, I think that Jimmy Smith should definitely be uh, watching of his words in terms of talking about Colin Kaepernick. Talk, if you're going to speak about Tim Tebow, talk directly in the context of Tim Tebow and him getting the opportunity. But when you start challenging a man for speaking up, that has actually changed athletes, women and men, to be able to use their platform. Is it two Senate seats flipped over because the WNBA and their their platform, and now it's they, they have the platform of WNBA bigger than it's ever been. Women using their collective uh, power on and off the field, and so for someone Jimmy Smith to say this when athletes are doing this in so many different arenas, I just it's it's it's, it's just silly. Xavier Pope is up on Cofield and Company. He's an attorney out of Chicago. We'll take a break here. On the way back, we got some legal questions, including we have an intense split in Nevada from a sports standpoint and a political standpoint. Uh, what happens if we around Vegas want to go to California and Northern Nevada wants to join Idaho? Xavier's going to uh, answer some civic-like questions on the way back. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and Company. Back here with Xavier Pope, Silver 7's, Thursday. All right, Xavier, we got to get into an important legal story. I saw this uh, lawsuit uh, coming at the NFL uh, and it's described as a, a fight against race norming. What does that mean? We see this some of the issues that are connected directly to some of the concussion settlement. It, 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 it basically studying black athletes and, and studying their cognitive abilities in relation to their ability to get the settlement. Um, basically, they're, they're talking about their brains much, much slower than whites. Um, to show their mental decline, um, to win an award. Uh, we've seen a lot of different issues as relates to race and of course, over the course of attempting to distribute the concussion settlement. I think this one of the most undercover issues in sports is the money that was supposed to be settled for the concussion settlement. They're not getting to the guys who actually need it. And there's been so much battle over the attorneys that have been involved and some of the the issues involved in distribution and who qualifies for it. And many of them have had an intersection with race. It's really gummed up the process to be able to make sure that it protect, it not only protects athletes moving forward, but more so make sure it, it, it fairly compensates guys who've been impacted by um, concussion settlement. Let's get a little civics lesson here. Um, I was sort of embellishing on the Nevada is split and we want to join different states. That's not happening here, but it is happening elsewhere. This is really intriguing. And I wonder what the process would be to have this happen in Oregon, apparently, there are seven counties that have voted to join Idaho. It's the Greater Idaho Movement. How would this even happen? How does it happen at the state level? And then, obviously, there's got to be some federal uh, you know, approval of it. Can we just have counties joining new states over the next 10 years? Uh, no, Steve. Oh, I mean, the, a lot of these issues are, are primarily for show. Uh, and they, you know, these people there, the they, they largely voted Trump. They're upset that their state, Oregon, when 57 percent voted for uh, Joe Biden in the election, they wanted this issue, this organization called Greater Idaho. And these are Western counties over in in Oregon. Uh, it would require the, the states to uh, to legislatures and then the United States Congress, which is not going to happen. Why would Oregon approve of getting getting rid of a significant chunk of its state? Land landmass and some of the and some of the federal, the federal funding that's attached to that. And well, why would they give up potentially giving up 
con- congressional seats, taking away from their power as a state, electoral college votes that they would that they would potentially lose, and give that to a neighboring state. There's no way that Idaho, I mean, Oregon would do that. Idaho would be like, hey, sure, come on over, give us the landmass, give us the congressional seats, give us the electoral college votes, give us more power. Sure, we'll take that. And so I, that was, that's just something that's not realistic in terms of the ability to be able to take place. This is not 1817, 1818, when you had a lot of unsettled issues around land. It's just not going to happen. Well, I'm just confused, Xavier. Maybe you can explain this to me. For the last year and a half, all I've heard is, if you don't like it, leave. So why don't they just move to Idaho? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you know, that's that's what they like to say. Um, but now when it, it comes to what they like and what they choose to do, they want to be able to change the rules to accommodate whatever it is they want to do. So if you don't like it, leave. If we don't like it, we'll take the, the place where we are and then leave yep. with us. I got to I, I got to ask you about, uh, you know, another one of these questions about attorneys and the way they're speaking in public and you know coming up with a defense or some offense. You know, we've gotten into this with the uh, guy, Tony Busby, who's representing the accusers in the Deshaun Watson case. The rep for uh, QAnon shaman, uh, this guy, Jacob <laughs> Chansley, who was one of the dudes who was storming the Capitol, basically came up with sort of um, a lot of these people are just stupid and they were easily uh, hypnotized. Uh, by words, what do you think of that defense? Well, what I think he's trying to get to, Steve, is some sort of insanity, maybe an insanity type of a lessened capacity defense or maybe some sort of, um, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, It doesn't have any, I don't see any legal standard or precedent for using um, I'm easily susceptible as some sort of defense. I, you know, you, you see maybe some consumer protection laws around how products are marketed and sold, but it doesn't relate in the criminal aspect in terms of defending yourself in a court of law. It it, is very empty. It's, it basically paints people who were treasonous insurrectionists um, as this way. It basically labels them as a cult, which they are, um, but they still had the responsibility for their own actions. And am I, am I wrong in thinking that's kind of a slippery slope, Xavier? Like if you if you say that this is something that is tangible, that, you know, the propaganda essentially got to them. Doesn't that open the door for the people who push that propaganda to be in legal trouble as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a really great question. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it, it it certainly puts them in some sort of conspiratorial aspect of it. But um, but then you have to also think about the, some of these same people. Like, What about Chicago? And they'll talk about gang violence. Um, and so if you're in a gang and you are, you're, some of these people are younger than 18, so you get properly influenced. So now that's a, that's something, a defense you could use to some sort of, some sort of gang violence. So where do, where do we go here? Where's the slippery slope? We have to have a standard of con standard of conduct that relates to a certain, um, certain um, criminal intent. And if we don't have a standard of criminal intent that basically that's people off the hook. If they're influenced by another person, then we really will have a lawless society. And that's not what the law and order party wants. Right. Xavier Pope is with us. Maybe being a little sarcastic there. Uh, development out of California. Uh, more legal questions here. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor, says California will eliminate debt owed for traffic fees and fines for low income Californians. Uh, tickets from 2015 to June of 2021 will be forgiven. Uh, those who are not low income, uh, will they raise a beef over this? Um, secondly, don't a lot of cities basically project budgets based on what they're going to make in terms 
of fees. And I also wonder what this does to the prison system, especially the prison system that is for profit when, you know, they're not going to be getting, I mean, this is absurd. People are getting jailed oftentimes for having unpaid ticket fees that just go on and on and on. So there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of other issues here. Yeah. I mean, well, these unpaid issues, unpaid tickets and fines, um, a, a lot of times are often used as pretexts um, for some, a lot of um, really dangerous interaction with law enforcement for African Americans um, and trapping them up in the criminal justice system, number one. So, um, but it also puts people in tremendous amounts of debt. They can't, you know, and you also see the legalization of marijuana and the various states and being able to pay off certain fines to be able to engage in those type of economies. And so if you have um, policies that are putting people on, under, the, under, under, the, under the, the books and they are not able to be upwardly mobile, then you're basically trapping them into some sort of cycle. So I don't, I, I think that, this is a good move by the state. I mean, I think that it, you shouldn't ha- you shouldn't be ha- you shouldn't have a warrant. You shouldn't have a you shouldn't have your financial strap. You shouldn't be able to not be able to buy a home or, or to be able to, to move forward with your business because of a parking ticket. It's ridiculous. It is absurd. Uh, we're talking different states. Xavier, we talked about it last week. How about Ohio? I, I question, you know, using money for a lottery to get people vaccinated, but it freaking worked. And you came back at me. You're like, hey, there's a budget. It's a health crisis. It's part of the health budget. It worked. Vaccinations what are up. Pope Stradamus <laughs> does it again. I told you last week, Steve, that this is going to work. And I talked about the odds of winning the lottery versus getting vaccinated and getting the million bucks. It's a higher, a much, much higher chance of getting a million bucks in Ohio than playing the lottery. And millions of people play a lottery every single day in Ohio. And people are like, I'm getting that million bucks. Somebody's (laughs) going to get it. And guess what? When they give that a million bucks to somebody, you're going to see other states adopt this to get more people vaccinated. It was a really great use of the state's time and money. It it spiked vaccination. And not only that, we had saw weeks and weeks and weeks of decline. And and they also saw groups that were younger getting vaccinated after you saw what Joe Rogan talked about, younger people not needing to be vaccinated. Well, guess what? People want a million bucks. They want to get vaccinated. Well, I also thought the brilliant part was, too, Ohioans 12 to 17 have a shot to win one of like five four-year full scholarships to state colleges, too. So you're even getting the young people involved. Like, that's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, I, you know, some people would say it's, 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 it's a waste of time and resources, but it's, it's showing that it's making – states safer and um you might even see red states even do this because i mean it's a it's a it's a it's a a unique way to interact with citizens to get them involved um i wouldn't be surprised if this actually spread to other states i mean it's it's clearly working it didn't just take some time it worked right away right (laughs) it was an immediate spike in people that were getting back we we love our athletes from las vegas so chris bryant is a las vegan uh he's playing with the cubs uh, right now, who's a bigger star in Chicago? Is it Chris Bryant or is it Hennessy the Cat? Hennessy the Cat is the <laughs> biggest star in Chicago. Catterday every Saturday. Um, this cat, Hennessy, 65th and low, south side of Chicago. There's a burning building. The cat, black cat leaps stories, stories high, bounces, bounces, yep. land, land, like, and just like, Total bounce like a basketball 
bounces in the air and scuttles off. No one has been able to find Hennessy the oh. flying cat. But I think Hennessy the flying cat is doesn't want to be found because he's now a celebrity and maybe wants to lay low a little bit. All right. He doesn't have any Kwame Brown in him. Uh, John's a cat guy. John's got a tuxedo cat. I've got a tuxedo cat. I've got a black cat. They're, they're, they're pretty badass cats. I got to say that. Badass. And if, if your name is Hennessy, you're a badass cat. Sure. Uh, we got to close on this. Maybe a, a little... Uh, Meeting the minds here. To uh, are you a shopaholic? I was. I was reading you uh, your tweets about Target. What well, what happens when you go to Target? What's wrong with you, man? No one can go to Target and get the exact amount of items they went to Target for. No one. No one. If you, I, I I tweeted out, I'm only going to go to Target to get two things. Right. I only went to get organic coffee and oat milk to go on my coffee. I went away with twenty things. <laughs> twenty, not two. Twenty times ten. And so, and someone gave me a suggestion, Steve, hey, just go in without a cart. Well, how many times have you tried to go into Target without a cart? You go in there, next thing you know, you're juggling a million things in your arms. And I had to put things down on the shelf, go back and get a cart and get more. Everybody has done that. It doesn't work. Target is a suck of your wallet. You will make sure you are going there to get eggs. You'll come out with a a thermometer and a, and a deck of cards and a sofa and a sofa. You can't, and you can't carry the sofa in your arms. <laughs> exactly. You can't well, you need a car for that. The best part about having my kid is now he's approaching three. His motor skills are to the point where now I can hand him like small things to carry for me. So that's oh. the best part is yeah, I go in juggling. I am with you, but then I'm like, here, hold this kid. And he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> Uh, now you got to see, see, now you got extra hands. That means yeah. extra stuff to go buy. Now you got to get a, a waffle iron and now you have to get a fan in a couple of cups and also dishwasher liquid. And you are also going to make, you need like a 24 pack of toilet tissue as well. Oh, you forgot. Oh, wow. You forgot to get, um, baby rattles. You don't even have a baby. He's not even a baby anymore. <laughs> Out of control. Uh, tell people uh, again, what's on suit up news this week. Uh, suit up news we're talking about the one six commission and we're talking about the impact of of, of the issues surrounding that give me a holler go to hashtag suit up news and check it out on the timeline xavier pope e-x-a-v-i-e-r-p-o-p-e xavier awesome awesome that was great thank you welcome man love you guys there he is our thursday legal insider xavier pope a spot today is brought to you by nova home loans may is military appreciation month and nova home loans is offering to waive their lender processing fee on all va loans throughout the month you got record low interest rates and now no processing fees that means it's a great opportunity for veterans and active duty military to refinance your existing loan or purchase a home today but you got to get on the phone you got to call Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA is the number. Military Appreciation Month, they're going to save you a boatload of money. For veterans and active duty military, you can refinance your existing loan or purchase a new home today, but you got to call Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. If he's able to beat the Suns on the road, that would be a big... I mean, obviously the Lakers are going to be favored, but I don't think they're going to beat Utah, and I don't know if they're going to beat the Clippers. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Barkley just hating. By the way, the Lakers are favored against the Suns. They're minus 150. In that series. Pretty interesting because you know what the opening lines were for some spots yesterday. 
minus two fifty. Really? Yeah. Do you think there's value at one fifty? Yeah, I think so. Like, there's some spots down to as low as like a buck forty. I would lay that with the Lakers. Like, I mean, I would say this. So I would lay that. I think there's value in that type of a price. Anecdotally, though, LeBron James in an O one series hole will go hand in hand because he likes to study his opponent. You know what I mean? Like, how often do we see the low key LeBron yeah. James game yeah, in yeah. game one, and then of course goes nuts for the rest of the series? And ultimately, I think it's a six game series. But yeah. So crazy uh, scenario unfolds last night in the Lakers game as they storm back, take the lead, then they give up a run. Believe it or not, spurred on by Wiggins. Wiggins was really good getting to the hole, and that's how Golden State got back in front. And also, Steph Curry had a couple of big baskets. And then, dude, I know you love Draymond Green, but there were more than a few plays down the stretch. He committed two offensive fouls. And then the poke in the face. And LeBron only made one or two. but Strategy. I just I don't understand him sometimes in terms of controlling his emotions. And the poke in the face, they're actually they're lucky that the refs didn't react to it like they normally do. Because I could have been a flagrant because it was damaging. It did hurt his eye. Um, and as we pointed out earlier, people are there are so many people who are just dead set against LeBron James. Where they're like, he's faking. Uh, he's being a wuss. That they'll cheer for Draymond. <laughs> yeah, that they actually, you know, it's like pick between two evils. Dray, you know, Dray, Draymond drives people nuts. That they were actually siding with Draymond and saying LeBron was faking. Well, this was LeBron talking to Rachel Nichols after the game. You know, I put in a lot of work in my game. You know, um, you know, after you know Draymond uh, finger to the eye, I was literally seeing three uh, three rims out there. Um, so I just shot at the middle one, and uh, and I was able to, uh, with the grace of the man above, I was able to knock it down. <laughs> it's a good line. Do you believe him? The three rims? Yeah. No. Do I believe it was probably a little blurry? Like, sure. I, I mean, don't know about you, three rims. You, you listen to the comment, you're like, then. I mean, well, I, I was going to say, you shouldn't have shot it, but he had no choice because it was the end of the shot clock. Right. How do you see the shot clock, Steve? Thought he was seeing three rims. That's a good point. Only one shot clock, Someone though, was huh? yelling at him. Yeah. I'm By like, the way, but Steph came real hard at him on defense. Good play. That ball. He, like, he, like, ran by him, said something to him, and patted him on the chest. Like, of course. Like, get in the air. Well, He's, I, I got Steph Curry is awesome, but when you really watch some of the lax action on defense, come on, dude. Well, I mean, look, and I people love, get on James Harden. Oh, I love Steph Curry like with all my heart as a basketball player. But there were there, there were some plays last night, like after so a lot of times after misses, like he missed a floater in the final five minutes, and he missed about a fourteen footer inside the free throw line. Really good shots, wide open lane in front of him, and then he like he just kind of stopped. And the action's going the other way. Like, let's go, man. Your team ain't good enough without the full complement of players on defense. So there's a couple of things. One, one of my favorite moments from Curry last night was he missed a free throw. And, like, he sits there and holds it for a second while, like, the action's, like, running the other way. And, like, granted, like, nothing happened from it, but it was just a very funny visual. But also, think about some of, like, some of the highest leverage situations for Curry in his career. And I can think of the behind-the-back pass out of bounds in the NBA Finals in Game 7. I can think of getting a three made over him by Kyrie Irving in Game 7. I can think of LeBron making that three over him as well. I love Curry, but he's also got some lowlights in his career. But overall, like, to get back to one of your points, when it comes to Draymond Green, like, I don't think he's perfect by any stretch. But, like, if you watch that game in its entirety, there is no denying how good he was defensively. There were so many times where he stymied Anthony Davis inside the paint. There were a lot of times where they tried to run a pick and roll on him, and he guarded two guys perfectly, right, handler and, and roller. Like, he's a really good defender. 
And I'd also say, like, to do this anti-Laker thing really quickly, the thing that annoyed me last night, you heard Vogel on the broadcast all night long. And in the first five minutes, Draymond does one thing. They're like, technical. Now, granted, part of it is his fault because he's got he's, the history. He has set himself up. But, like, when you hear like when you hear Vogel screaming at the top of his lungs almost every single play. But why wouldn't you do that? And then, oh, of course. The guy has set himself up so that the refs are giving him extra attention. And right. then instead of calming down, he uh, you, you see him throughout the game screaming at the officials. And, yeah, he got dinged for uh, kind of stepping into a defender, was trying to get to the corner. Was it something you know, nasty? No, but it did uh, inhibit. I think it was Anthony Davis who was trying to rush out to a, to defend a pool three. Yeah. And then he set a pick like 30 feet from the basket. It, I mean, you know, was it, was it a nasty pick? Not really, but Wes Matthews is like, hey, ref, look. Yeah. You, you set you set yourself up. Just, I don't know, the, the positives outweigh the negatives. And he is, he is really important right now because teams are going to try to play this defense where they double staff to get the ball out of his hands. Draymond Green is the outlet, and at that point, you got you have a four-on-three. I mean, you know, it's a half-court four-on-three. He's got to make the right pass. He does make a lot of correct passes. Yeah. Like, that's why I've always been – like, he is a very good player, and he's important to what they do. He was important to what they did when they were winning titles. He, he helped win three championships. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he drives me nuts when he's like, we won three championships. Right. Like, you are part of the team, an important part. But, like – I would give Clay and Steph and even KD, who you ran off – some credit too, right? Of course, I don't think he's like a lot of the credit. <laughs> I won these titles, like Draymond Green. But you know, look, he's important. But I think the overall, my takeaway from last night was, if you actually watched Steph Curry and the Warriors at the end of this season, they played the Pelicans three times, they played the Thunder twice, they played the Grizzlies, played the Suns, who were twentieth in defense in the second half of the season. It was a very favorable schedule. That is the team that they were last night. Now, that works against teams like Memphis, but against teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, against the Utah Jazz, against the Phoenix Suns, it's going to be a lot tougher, man. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles.